if you have a little issue with somebody, we run into a few problems with people, some misunderstanding, some little bad feeling, or you feel the other person is hurt. Now, of course, if you've hurt them, you need to probably actively make some effort to reconcile that. Dua there, uh, you know, will probably will not be enough. Because then they're hurt, so you need to say, I apologize or something like that. But if it's just some misunderstanding and you're trying your best, the best thing that I found to work is Allahumma alif bayna qulubina. Allahumma aslih dhata baynina. And mashallah, Allah ta'ala makes it easy for the hearts to mend again. Which means, oh Allah, reconcile between our hearts and reform whatever's between us. Beautiful dua. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Hamdan Kathiran Toyiban Mubarakan Fi, Mubarakan Alehi Kama Yuhibu Rabbuna, Wayorda, Jalla Jalaluhu, Wamanawaluhu, Wasalatu was Salamu Ala Sayyidil Habibil Mustafa, Sallallahu Ta'ala, Alehi Wala Alihi, Wasahbihi, Wabaraka, Wasalamat Asliman, Kathiran Ilayomidin, Amma Bad. Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala says in the Quran. الَّذِينَ يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهَ قِيَامًا وَقُعُودًا وَعَلَىٰ جُنُوبِهِمْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says وَمَنْ يَعْشُ عَنْ ذِكْرِ الرَّحْمَانِ نُقَيِّدْ لَهُ شَيْطَانًا فَهُوَ لَهُ قَرِينٌ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ حُبًّا لِلَّهِ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَذْكُرْ اسْمَ رَبِّكَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates the human being and one of the main reasons that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us he was completely happy uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't need anything he has everything and everything is in his control and he's always been existent and he doesn't need anybody to acknowledge him or to didn't need anybody to acknowledge him or to glorify him or anything like that but then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the human being created the world actually and created the human being and we are the center of the world yes there's animals and there's lots of other creations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and each one of them has a purpose and there's no doubt about that everything has a purpose and for many of these creatures for many of these created beings we know their purpose or we understand some of their purpose. There's some narrations as well. They mention that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created this world so that people recognize him. He decided, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decided in eternity that there will be a world, there'll be a dunya, there'll be an akhirah, there'll be human beings. And of course, there'll be all these other creatures, like there'll be the angels and there will be jinn and there will be animals and there will be the solid objects there will be trees the plant life the animal kingdom and so on and so forth none of these things existed before in our worldview none of these things existed before of course we've never experienced that time because we came into all of this creation but that's how it was and there will come a time when fan, everything will eventually perish now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then create, created people on the fitrah. So when Adam alayhi salam was created, he was on the fitrah. 
Everybody's created on the fitrah. And that's the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ which says that Kullu mawludin That every offspring, every child, every newborn is born on the fitrah. Many people like to translate this as born on Islam. Actually, not entirely correct. Because Islam, it technically means to adopt the faith. Actively adopt the faith that, yes, this is the faith that I choose. And you can only do that once you're of discerning age. Once you can make a distinction between things. Once you can understand things. That's when you say, okay, yes, this faith, I want to go for it. This is the faith that was my father's faith, my mother's faith. This is the faith I was brought up in. But I'm going to accept this faith. That's acquired faith. However, fitrah, the primordial nature, natural inclination towards God, that is natural faith. That's natural faith. That's why when people pass away, if children pass away before maturity, they're supposed to go to paradise. The believers' children's for sure, uh, believers' children for sure, and non-Muslim children, according to the strong view, they also go to paradise because they're inerrant. They're still on the natural faith. They've not had time to mess it up, to corrupt it, to change it, to take on another faith. So we start off when we, we, when we are born, we start off with adhan in the ear, the name of Allah. Adhan is one of the most powerful calls to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That formula, the four times Allahu Akbar and then Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, Ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah, it is a collection of some of the most powerful calling to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why the shaitan is supposed to run. The hadith mentions that whenever adhan is called, the shaitan runs. He can't stand the adhan. Just can't stand the adhan. He can't stand any dhikr of Allah, but the adhan is just too powerful. That's why along with salat, when we do adhan, we must do adhan for salat to invite people. It's a very specially chosen words. Uh, it could have been maybe more effective, more louder, more easier to ring a big bell, you know, um, as, uh, you know, is done in other traditions or to blow a trumpet or play some other music or something like that. But no, it has to be natural. Everything in Islam goes back to nature where you don't need instruments. You know, it's all about... Uh, the nature, so to call, uh, to make this call. So we start that with the adhan and the iqama in, in the children's ear. And hopefully that's going to remind them of where they came from. That's going to remind them of the fact that Allah is their creator. And as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran that uh, all, all human beings, after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created Adam alayhi salam, he extracted all of his progeny. That means every single one of us. And then Allah manifested himself in front of them. And he asked, aren't I your Lord? And they said, of course you are bala. Alastu bi rabbikum kalu bala, shahidna. Now, I don't think anybody remembers that. Does anybody remember that moment when they witnessed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? The reason I ask is because there may be somebody, because there have been people in history who remember that. He says, Ali radiallahu remembers that. What kind of recollection? I'm not sure. I mean, I don't, I don't, but there may be some special person here who remembers it. Right? So, the, but the point is that uh, most people do not remember it, but we're reminded of it. When we come into this world, we're reminded of it, right? By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, through the Qur'an, telling us about this event and this incident, and the prophets remind us of it. 
Remind us that we must be worshipping Allah because He's our Creator. He's our Creator. So, thereafter that, we're expected to go according to this during our life. And then, subhanAllah, we're then expected that while Adhan was given in our ear, because we were helpless, we were children, we were infants, we just came into this world with nothing. We came with nothing and we were given the name of Allah, so inshaAllah when we go, we will take the name of Allah. And that is a good sign. There's many things that we do in our sharia that are symbolic in that sense, based on the hereafter. The Prophet used to like, At-tayamun fi kulli shay, which means uh, starting from the right. Why would the right be superior to the left? I know in the Muslim psyche, the right is superior. That's like now it's inherent in our mind that the right is superior. I don't think we can think of a time when it was not. I mean, maybe you can. Um, but the right is always superior. But what's the purpose that the right is superior? I mean, the right hand generally is a stronger hand for most people, right? Biologically speaking, they write with the right hand. Most people do. Some people write with the left hand. So they get, there could be some physiological advantages of the right hand as well. I'm not sure about the right leg though, but the right side as such. Uh, but it's because in the hereafter, you've got this whole theme in the Qur'an about Ashabul Yameen, the people of the right side, paradise being on towards the right side, and hellfire being on the left side, the book of deeds being given in the right hand. So that's why, can you see how important in Islam that is? That's why the Prophet ﷺ, his compassionate nature, there was somebody eating with his left hand and he said, eat with your right hand. He said, I can't eat with my right hand. He was doing it in a, pro it seems like he was saying that in a protesting way. I can't eat with my right hand. So the Prophet said, okay, you can't eat with your right hand. So the guy could not then eat with his right hand afterwards. He says, don't eat with your left hand because the shaitan eats with his left hand. It's kind of really interesting. You know, I don't know if anybody's done any more intricate studies on the right compared to the left, but... That would be an interesting study, further study to do. We believe in it anyway. That's why we like the right. So there's a lot of these symbolic things in the world that we do that inshallah will benefit us in the hereafter. Then there is of course the following of the Prophet wasallam, so that he gives us his inter intercession in the hereafter. Now one of the biggest things in this world that we have in our devotion and our worship is remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything is done to remember Allah. Why would you stay hungry in these fasts? Why would you stay hungry? If it wasn't for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then just tell people you're fasting. And then just have a nice meal in secret. You know, There's no need to actually stay hungry if you're not doing it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that shows that there's a remembrance of Allah involved in the fasting. We just need to make it active as opposed to just subconsciously or just ritually that we're doing it. Thereafter that, look at the verse where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَقِيمِ الصَّلَاةَ لِذِكْرِ Establish namaz, establish salat for my remembrance. So, the whole purpose of the salat is that the remembrance is all included in there, is remembrance of Allah. All the way from 
Allahu Akbar, we start with that. Well, actually, we start before that, right? We start by purifying ourselves. And why do we purify ourselves? Purify yourselves because purific uh, wudu is considered a shedding of sins. So the idea is that if I'm going to meet someone, visit somebody, petition someone, then I want to look totally presentable and be presentable and feel presentable. You know, when you feel scruffy, right? When you've had sweat, even though you've put perfume on, it doesn't feel good. That's against our nature. We need to make ourselves spiritually like that as well. Physically, mashallah, there's a lot of people who do that. The workplace forces us to do that. People force us to do that. You have to be presentable. Some people who just don't care. Right? They're not looked on in a very praiseworthy way, are they? Right? But society forces us to be presentable. But Allah wants us to be presentable spiritually as well. That means our heart be present for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah wants to be remembered. So He makes a number of things happen in this world that are there for our reminder. For example, you know the masnoon du'as. They're for remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because they all, that is, you're calling on to Allah. Starting your food with the name of Allah. And du'as are very, very powerful. If you have a pain in a certain place, hold that place and pray to Allah. Allahumma rabban nas, adhibil ba's, washfi anta shafi, la shifa'a illa shifa'uka shifa'an la yugadiru saqaman. And insha'Allah your pain will be dealt with. Tried it numerous times. Alhamdulillah, it's helped numerous times. If you, I think I've mentioned this a few times before now, if you have a little issue with somebody, we run into a few problems with people, some misunderstanding, some little bad feeling, or you feel the other person is hurt. Now, of course, if you've hurt them, you need to probably actively make some effort to reconcile that. Dua there, uh, you know, will probably will not be enough, right? Because then they're, they're hurt, so you need to say I apologize or something like that. But if it's just some misunderstanding, and you're trying your best, the best thing that I found to work is Allahumma alif bayna qulubina, Allahumma aslih dhat baynina, and mashallah Allah Taala makes it easy for the hearts to mend again, which means Oh Allah reconcile between our hearts. And reform whatever's between us. Beautiful dua. So the idea is that in everything that we do, we thank Allah. And one of the things that we have, mashallah, um, living where we do, especially in the West and, and, and so on, and mashallah, the community, the Muslim community has uh, become enhanced and prospered. Such that I, you know, number of masjids actually provide ajwa for iftari. An absolute luxury. I mean, if that's a measure of prosperity, I mean, what else is going to be a measure of prosperity? I mean, that's a date that costs twice or thrice more than the, I mean, thrice more than the cheapest date. And it being simple, I mean, why does the masjid, why is the masjid obliged or the individuals who, mashallah, contribute obliged to give ajwa? I've seen at least three masjids, I think, 
that give ajwa, right? last year at least. Um, that just shows prosperity. And prosperity is something from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Prosperity can also be a fitna. There's literally called fitna to sarra and there's fitna to darra. Fitna of adversity, that provides its own challenge, and fitna to sarra provides its own challenge. Alhamdulillah, you know, we have the opportunity to have so many different types of foods and so many different types of resources. And we take it for granted. We shouldn't take it for granted because we don't know how long it's going to last because there is a big bubble in the economy we live in. I mean, when you look at it from that perspective, you get scared. And bubbles do burst. So we do need to be careful. And there, there is the current inflation and current uh, increase in pricing and so on. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if He has blessed us before, He will bless us now. I'm not worried about that. But what I am worried about is that we take, we treat this in the wrong way. And we don't remember Allah. And we don't thank Him. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He wants two things from us. He wants many things. But He wants our remembrance. That we don't forget who He is. Because ultimately He is the creator and the giver. The nourisher and sustainer of everything. That is what's most important. So when we eat and you see different foods, all you have to do is Alhamdulillah. Like genuinely tell your children, make shukr. Alhamdulillah, Allah gives us so much. It's simple. And once you get into the habit of remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it'll become easier. It'll become easier to do that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because He created us for the purpose of His remembrance, that's what He wants from us. So then He's established all of these different worships. There's a story, we've covered that in our Hellfire series. There's a guy in Hellfire, he's being punished. And then suddenly he says something that hasn't Allah promised this? Or hasn't Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said he's going to do this? And Allah says, you know what, free him. Because he's recognized me. He knows me. He has ma'rifah of me. When I read that, I was just amazed that that is the purpose Allah wants of us. That even somebody in hellfire, when he shows that he knows Allah, Allah is willing to forgive him and take him out of there. The ultimate success in this world is recognition of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How do you get recognition in your life? It needs to become organic. It, it shouldn't be that you only remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in your salat. Or formally sit and remember him. That, that's an intensive remembrance. You know when you sit down and you're like, I'm going to dedicate the next 10 minutes, the next hour to the remembrance of Allah. So subhanallah, alhamdulillah, Allah, meditation, whatever. That's like intense. Right? That's just additional, intense, profound uh, focus. But Allah wants us to remember Him throughout because we're not like what other religions have become. That they've become very selective and very particular uh, about uh, separating between life and uh, between the secular or the normal everyday activity and devotion to Allah. They've made it too formal. They've formalized it too much. That's not what is required. We have a formal aspect for sure. We have the jama'ah in the masjid. We have the jummah. But again, there's a social benefit to that. That when believers come together and remember Allah together, there's an amazing benefit for that. Uh, humans are never, humans have never been created to be alone. 
you look at our whole system of what Islam encourages and society in general, humans have never been created to be isolated, to be separate from one another. We can't even, ex we, we can't survive that way. Yes, some people do that. In, that's why hermitude is not allowed in Islam. That's not what it is. Yes, it's fine as a ilaj, you know, as a cure, as a therapy to go away for a while. You know, it, you can do, you know, it, it's better to actually be away from bad people anyway. Right? Uh, that definitely solitude is better than that. But good company is better than even aloneness. Shaitan can attack much more in aloneness than with good people. And humans, we learn from one another. And according to our scholars, I mean, we will take from others without even realizing. That's how profound and powerful human company is. Human company is so powerful that you will, it will rub off on you. You can call it rubbing off. Imam Ghazali calls it stealing, I think. You will steal behavior from somebody else without realizing it. Right? So that's why the hadith says that be careful of your sitting people. If you sit with a good person, it's like the example of sitting with a person who gives perfume and he's going to give you a few sprays and you're going to come out smelling nice. And if it's a bad person, then it's like sitting in a blacksmith's place. That makes sense now because that's human beings. That's our human reality. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says as well in the Quran, Kunu Be with the truthful ones. Make an effort of being with the truthful ones. Because when people are truthful around you, that will rub off on us as well. We benefit from others. You know, I've been in a position where you're the imam of the community. And you, everybody's expecting you to pro provide them the guidance. But then we also need some guidance. We also need to get somewhere. So we have to go back to somebody else. This is a chain. This is how it works. Except those who are, mashallah, so, mashallah, they've made such an effort and they've get, gotten so connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just suffices them directly. The awliya. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of the awliya. The only way to get to become a wali of Allah, and a wali of Allah just means a friend of Allah. And the friend here just doesn't mean a buddy kind of friend, you know, the normal kind of you chill out with or something like that. That's not the idea here. The idea of friend here is somebody who... In the genuine sense of it, is somebody who takes care of you. And you take care of them. Our taking care of Allah means our taking care of the obligations and what He requires from us and for us to be the way He wants us to be. May Allah make us the way He wants us to be. So that, that's, that's basically what that means. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the verse I read at the beginning, those who believe they are most ardent and intense in their love for Allah. They must love Allah more than everything else. That's what true belief is supposed to bring us. Like if we are believers, then we must love Allah more than anybody else. How do you love Allah more than everybody else? That's the lifelong struggle. But if we can love Him more each day and each week and each year and through each Ramadan, and I think it's simple. The way to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is just to become a bit more attuned to His workings in the world. Just to become a bit more conscious of Allah in our life. 
So any bounty that you have, any gift that you have, and we have many gifts, is to take them back to Allah and to think about these things. It's reflection. The world doesn't allow us to think except about the next project or the next paycheck or the next business opportunity or the next uh, meeting or whatever the case is. It's just so busy. It is just so busy. We don't have time to think about these things. That Where am I going in my life? There's a few times in life that people get forced to do it. I don't know, there's a psychological aspect of it. That one is midlife crisis. When you get about 39, 40, suddenly you start worrying because you're getting over, to, you're getting to the hill. 40 is the hill. 40 is the peak, the summit. And then you're going to go over. And a lot of people start wondering about this time. What have I done? So you start looking at the back. What have I done in the past? Have I accomplished anything? Have I gotten anywhere? Have I got anything to show? So there's, there's people, they will sustain a bad marriage until about the age of 40 and then they'll get divorced. It's a really weird age. You have to be very careful at that age. And if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, for, for the righteous ones, that's when they start thinking. You know, because... Everybody's been thinking about Allah, thinking about Allah, thinking about Allah, struggling with the dunya, struggling with the dunya. And when they get to the age of 40, they start thinking, man, I'm getting old. I'm getting there now. What have I got for, to show for my akhirah? See, worldly people at the age of 40, midlife crisis, will start a new business, buy a new car, take a, start taking holidays thinking that I've wasted so much time now and now let me do something for the dunya. That's worldly. A lot of people who have been struggling with the deen, but they're conscious and they want to do something, at this time, that is when they will start actually thinking that what have I done for Allah? So one of the scholars said that by the age of 40, if your good has not dominated your evil, then you're going to struggle. In other words, he says you're going to struggle. So by the age of 40, you better get it right. You better be in the right direction. You've had enough time to mess around. You're not a youth anymore. In Islam, according to many Muslim scholars, youth is until the age of 35. Yeah, it's from when you become mature to the age of 35. That's what they say is youth. Then your middle age starts. The scholars say that at the age of 40, you want to really get then the the final age is 60 there's still a chance until we die there's always a chance in islam but there's obviously a maturity period and a solidifying period in everything you know the longer you leave something it gets set right the longer you leave something it gets more set then it becomes more difficult to uproot just like trees you plant a tree it grows some roots it has some stability but you can uproot it and shift it but you keep something there for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and then after that it becomes much more difficult to uproot. So we need to start weeding out the blameworthy traits. It's a crisis. It's a crisis. We should have a spiritual, we should have a spiritual crisis Allah give us. Because that is what wakes us up. That is what happened to people like Ghazali and others when they had a spiritual crisis. That's when they then became something different because... So I want to say that, you know, it's a challenge for everyone. It's a challenge for everyone. Religious people, we can become an imam. We can be teaching the Qur'an. We can be teaching the sunnah. We can be preparing 
Quran, Sunnah all the time. We could be literally taking the name of Allah all the time. But if it becomes a vocation, that's a problem. If my reading, my leading, my speaking becomes a vocation, and no longer do I think that I'm doing this for Allah all the time, that's a problem as well. It might be a better problem. It might look better, but it's still a problem. But that's why people like Imam Ghazali, who were on the highest level of teaching and with so many ulama and, and so on, he felt a crisis that I'm doing all of this for show. So he decided to give it up. Yes, it was a loss at that time for the people. They felt, what is he doing? But then after that, he went and did his profound worship and reflection. And then when he came back, he came back even stronger. You can only get stronger. So imagine if you don't even do anything with religion, then it's going to be, I mean, if it's a fitna even with religious people, it could be. Then can you imagine if you're not even doing anything that even looks like religion? That's just purely dunya, dunya, dunya. Because at least if you're doing a religious aspect, you're going to get eventually influenced by it. The name of Allah can never be devoid of benefit. The word Allah is such a profound word. It has its own life and efficacy. So the ulama say that when you say Allah, in, even in the passing, didn't Allah tell you this? Didn't Allah tell us this? Just like that, it has an effect. The word Allah, the name Allah is so powerful that it has to have an effect on us. So what we want to do is we want to introduce Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more in our life. Theoretically he is there, theologically he is there, we believe in Allah. But to make Allah the reality in our life all the time, so that we become like those Allah says who remember Allah standing, sitting and lying down. Not just in salat. Not just having to sit down for it. But we do shukr for any good thing that we have. We do sabr for the sake of Allah, for any difficulty that comes our way. We attribute everything and we take everything back to Allah. And we're trying to remember Allah multiple times a day. Just remembering Him. Just He comes into our mind for whatever reason. For whatever reason. We're acknowledging something. We're attributing something to Him. We're thanking Him for something. We're glorifying Him. We're praising Him or something like that. Only then can Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala become the most beloved to us as Allah says in the Quran that those who are believers are the most ardent lovers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And inshallah, the more we learn about Allah through reading the Quran with meaning, that will tell us who Allah is and His interaction with the people. It's an amazing experience. And number two, by learning the names of Allah. The more names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you learn, the more you get to know about that person. There's a person in your community, it's a regular guy, a neighbor. And one day you had an issue in your house and he came and fixed it. It's like, wow, I didn't know that you could do plumbing. I didn't know that you could do, you know, you're an electrician. I didn't know that you knew a bit of, you know, uh, handiwork. You get a new appreciation for that person, don't you? Then you had another issue and he goes, oh, I, I can deal with that as well. I've got some contacts. Now you got a second appreciation for this person. That person was just a normal neighbor, a normal guy in the masjid, normal colleague at work. Suddenly you've discovered he's got several capabilities. Your appreciation grows because you're 
getting a better understanding of his multiple qualities. And the greatest qualities are by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's nothing in Allah that will put you off. It's all about attraction. There's just attraction in Allah. But we don't have time to figure him out and to remember him, to understand him, to get to know him. That's why the, more you, the, the only way to love something is to get to know more about it. The more features you understand of a phone, you want to buy that phone, the more features you figure out about a certain car or a certain area, a certain house, then you get attracted to it. Same thing with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's just the law of attraction that works with Allah and he has the most attractions there is and most qualities there are. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow our love to grow for him and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala love us. May Allah make us of the awliya and may we become the awliya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allahumma anta salamu wa minka salamu tabarakta ya dal jalali wal ikram. Allahumma ya hayyu ya qayyum bi rahmatika nastaghith. Allahumma ya hannan ya mannan la ilaha illa anta subhanak inna kunna min al-zalimin. Ya ma'adina al-judi wal karam, ya akram al-akramin, wa ya khayr al-mas'ulin, wa ya khayr al-mu'teen, wa ya dhal jalali wal ikram. Allahumma gfir lana warhamna wa'afina wahdina warzuqna. Allahumma gfir li ummati sayyidina Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allahumma gfir li al-muslimin wal-muslimat, wal-mu'minin wal-mu'minat, al-ahyai minhum wal-amwat. اللهم إنا نسألك الهدى والتقى والعفاف والغنى اللهم ارزقنا حبك وحب من ينفعنا حبه عندك يا الله we ask for your special mercies we ask for your generosity we ask for your رحمة we ask for your forgiveness we ask for your مغفرة oh Allah forgive us our sins forgive us our wrongdoings our excesses our transgressions our shortcomings oh Allah our distractions Oh Allah, we have been heedless for so long. We ask you forgiveness for those sins that we remember and especially those that we have forgotten. Oh Allah, do not seize us for these sins in the hereafter. Allow us to be purified of them, to be cleansed of them. Oh Allah, we ask you forgiveness for sins that have taken away the blessings from our homes that have taken the blessings away from our societies, that have, that have brought darkness in our homes, in our lives. Oh Allah, that we no longer feel contentment, that we no longer feel satisfaction, that we no longer feel solace and comfort. Oh Allah, we ask you forgiveness for those sins that have turned people against one another, that, have, that has produced fires in the homes, in which there are raging fires between husband and wife parents and children, brothers and sisters. Oh Allah, over petty things. Oh Allah, allow us to recant from these things. Allow us to make tawbah and to be, become returned to you. Oh Allah, grant us forgiveness, especially from those sins that have now become part of our life and we no longer even consider them sins anymore. Oh Allah, if we were to die in this state, then we don't have much hope. But oh Allah, we have our entire focus on your mercy. Oh Allah, this is a month of generosity. We see so many people spending so much during this month. So many people are providing for the poor. They're spending in your path. Oh Allah, you are known to be more generous than everyone, including the mothers. 
who have so much love for their children and compassion and so much sacrifice. Oh Allah, we have no other God to go to. We have no other Lord. We have no other door to go to. Oh Allah, we can only come to your door. Oh Allah, these brothers and sisters who are sitting here and those who are listening. Oh Allah, bless all of us. Oh Allah, forgive us. Oh Allah, make us like the day our mothers gave us birth. Oh Allah, increase us during this month of Ramadan. Oh Allah, with this month of Ramadan moving swiftly through, Oh Allah, we ask that you allow us to take advantage fully from this month. You do not allow us to waste this month. Oh Allah, accept our coming here and sitting here in this masjid. Oh Allah, it is you, it is you who brought us here. So we thank you for that first. But oh Allah, we know that you then reward us for the good deeds that we do, even after you enable us to do them. So Allah, we ask you for your closeness and your love and your reward. Oh Allah, elevate us through the Quran. Oh Allah, bless us through the Quran. Raise us through the Quran. Oh Allah, guide us through the Quran. Oh Allah, enrich us through the Quran. And oh Allah, allow the Quran to be an intercessor in the hereafter for us. And oh Allah, allow it to be a, for, a, a means of entry for us into paradise and, re, and a means of elevation. Oh Allah, we ask that you protect us and our children, our progenies until the day of judgment. Oh Allah, you've given us so much, but oh Allah, we need preservation of our faith, which is most valuable to us. We came into this world with the name of Allah in our ears. Oh Allah, allow us to depart with Allah on our tongues. Oh Allah, allow us to depart in a way that the death is a gift for us, that the death is an opening for us for great goodness and eternal bliss. Oh Allah, make all the stages of the hereafter easy for us. Oh Allah, oh Allah, oh Allah, bless all of those who have passed away from our families and friends. Oh Allah, especially in this COVID situation. Oh Allah, we ask that you grant us protection, grant us afia, grant us well-being, grant us health and grant us blessing in everything you have given us. And oh Allah, do not allow us to use what you have given us. Do not allow us to use it in your disobedience. Oh Allah, allow us to be thankful for whatever you have given us. Make us of those who constantly and abundantly remember you. And oh Allah, who abundantly thank you. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask that you send your abundant blessings on our Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Grant us his company in the hereafter. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun al mursaleena walhamdulillahi The point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially, for example, the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules and at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind. You can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khair and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.